From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. I know we've been off the air for a couple of weeks. I've heard from a number of NAPS Chat loyal listeners. I apologize for the void. The reason for our absence was that we had to replace a piece of defective equipment, which has now been acquired, installed, and is operational. Thanks for your patience. Now let's get on to this week's edition of NAPS Chat. One of the most critical earned benefits enjoyed by postal and federal employees is the opportunity to fully participate in the Thrift Savings Plan, known as the TSP. This 401k-style retirement plan was legislated in 1986 as one of the three components of a federal retirement program to succeed, the civil service retirement system. It's now about four decades since the TSP was established. And as of March 2022, TSP had more than 6.5 million participants and over $817.7 billion in assets. That's not chum change. To talk with me today about some of the most consequential retirement decisions a federal or postal employee can make is Kim Weaver, Director of External Affairs for the Federal Retirement Thrift Savings Investment Board, also known as the TSP Board. Kim and I have gone back some years, albeit decades. Kim is a friend who worked on Capitol Hill for both the House and the Senate. She also worked at the Office of Personnel Management and the Postal Service before going to the Thrift Savings Plan. Welcome back to NAPS Chat, Kim, because you were here a couple of years ago. I was indeed. Thank you, Bob, for having me. Kim, let's start with basics. Why should federal and postal employees maximize their participation in the Thrift Savings Plan? There is a government match. And so for the first 5% that every TSP participant puts in, your employing agency or service matches it. So you are getting 10% invested for the 5% you're putting in. And that's essential, really, to ensuring that when you do retire, the three-legged stool of FERS, the Social Security benefit, the FERS defined benefit, and the TSP gives you the retirement income that you're going to want in retirement. And so contributing at least 5% is really the smartest choice that a federal or postal employee can make. I know that people have been reading the newspapers and looking at the volatility of the stock market today. And some would say we are in a so-called bear market. Is this a disincentive to invest in the thrift savings plan or should it be a disincentive to invest in the thrift savings plan? No, it shouldn't, Bob, because basically you're buying stocks on sale, right? I mean, you know, the old saying is you buy low and sell high. And that's, that's what everyone tries to do. Of course, you really can't time the market because no one knows what the highs and the lows are going to be. But consistent investment allows your retirement savings to grow. And so if you keep investing and stay the course, now every every participant's case is different, right? And everyone should have a plan and, and sort of stick to their plan and not be scared. 
what we have seen in the past, and this is not just TSP investors, this is a lot of investors, they sort of, you know, retreat in our case to the G fund. And so basically they've bought high, sold low, the exact opposite, go into the G fund. And then as the market begins to swing back up, they don't move over in time and they miss some of that recovery. So again, trying to time the market is almost impossible, but consistent investment uh, yields a retirement income that you're going to want and need. The respective L funds help mitigate the risk over time, no? Absolutely. The L funds are professionally designed for maximizing returns and minimizing risk. So if you, for example, the L2065 fund, which is appropriate for, you know, young uniform service members who are 18, 19, 20, that is 99% equity, right? Because they have a long time to go. The L2025 fund is roughly 60% stocks, 40% bonds. I can't remember off the top of my head the exact, but again, it's being done so that The closer you get to retirement, the more volatile equities are playing a a smaller part in your retirement. And if people are scared, like they just don't know, investing in one of the L funds, picking the date that you are going to need your money, is a very good option. I am invested in one of the L funds. It's just it takes a lot of the worry and, and research out of the game. Some of the worry and research, and let's talk about that in a mo- right now. I know there's been a substantial change in the thrift savings plan investment opportunities, and this change began in, in June, beginning of June, June 1st. Could you discuss right. what changes were made and what opportunities now exist that didn't exist in the past? Absolutely. So we transitioned on June 1st, we transitioned to an entirely new record keeper and modernized our record keeping system, which is basically the equivalent of changing banks. Like it was a complete lift and shift of our record keeping system. So we converted more than um, 26 billion records for more than 6.6 million TSP participants. And in doing so, we balanced to the penny more than $700 billion in assets. So that's what we did and what that's going to yield is new options for participants, one of which I know we're going to discuss later, the mutual fund window. There's now an app and already more than 40,000 people have downloaded the app. We have uh, enhanced login security, which is causing some trouble for our participants. We're aware of it and we're addressing it, but the new security enhancements were in response to the growing growth of cybercrime, right? The the bad guys are always building taller ladders, so we have to build taller, higher walls. And we will also be able to offer help with roll-ins, a sort of a concierge service for roll-ins, and different channels for our participants to be able to get information from the TSP. Let me ask you about the roll-ins before we talk about the mutual fund windows, because I, in fact, rolled in some old IRAs that I had and a 401k from a former employer I rolled in also. And it was, you know, it was a little bit difficult to do so. Now you suggest it's a little bit going to be a bit easier to do the rollover? It is. I actually have been waiting for this transition 
because I need to do the same thing. And there's going to be more assistance offered to participants who want to roll money in. Because as you say, the, the issue is we have to make sure it's qualified money. It's coming from the right kind of, of plan. And then the, the quote unquote losing entity has to fill out the forms to verify that. So it's, as you say, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's, it's not the easiest either. And so we are going to be offering more help with rolling. And in fact, more than um, 1,100 people have rolled in since June 1st. Let's talk about the mutual fund window. Could you discuss what opportunities exist within the mutual fund window right now? And what is it? Why is it called a window? Okay, I can. And the first thing I want to emphasize, because we've gotten some concerns the mutual fund window is entirely and completely voluntary. No participant is investing in any mutual fund unless they specifically choose to. So I want to emphasize that. But what the mutual fund window is, is an ability for a TSP participants to take a portion of their TSP account balance through the window and invest in roughly 5,000 mutual funds that are in roughly 300 mutual fund families, including those that are offered by Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, and Vanguard. And so to the extent that a TSP participant wants to add something to their investment portfolio, this is an option for them to do just that. So you could take up to a certain amount, and we can talk about what the limit is, but a certain amount of your TSP balance, you can take it out of your whether it be your L fund, your G fund, your C fund, whatever, and just sort of convert it into one of these mutual funds? Exactly. Is there any minimum or maximum that you could uh, sort of reallocate? The maximum amount of your account balance has to be is 25%. And for your first investment, it has to be uh, $10,000. So you need, um, so so need $40,000 in the TSP account to make your initial deposit. Precisely right. And that was done to ensure for for several reasons. One, to ensure that people have had some investment experience. And secondly, because there are additional fees, the law requires that people, participants using the mutual fund window, pay for the mutual fund window. So there are additional fees for the mutual fund window. And we wanted to make sure that the the participant was moving a sufficient amount of money that the fees, like if you moved $100, the fees would largely eat that up, and that would not be a wise choice. Let's talk about the fees for a moment. And I just want to, for our listeners, contrast the administrative fees for TSP accounts versus administrative fees that might be for the mutual, um, this mutual fund window related to the TSP. How do they differ? The administrative fees that are levied on all of our accounts are paid to administer the plan, right? You, All of the stuff that the agency has to do to invest funds, to do all the back office processing of loans, statements, all of that, that's what the administrative fees levied on accounts are. And it's last year was 4.3 cents per thousand dollars invested. And that's a fairly low administrative fee. The fees that for the mutual fund window, there are there's an administrative fee of fifty five dollars 
plus an annual maintenance fee of $95. So those are two fees together are paying for the mutual fund window. Once you're in the mutual fund window, you have a per trade fee of $28.75, and then whatever fees and expenses are imposed by the, the mutual fund that you've chosen. One of the things that we heard was that people, when we, we put out regs, uh, draft regs back in January, and people were concerned about the fees, and we explained that what we had done was made sure that the fees were transparent. Because a lot of the time, there are, in other plans or in other funds, the fees reduce the returns, and so they're not explicitly called out. And we, what we've done is made sure that they're explicitly called out and participants know what they're paying. You make an interesting point because for those of us who have participated in mutual funds over the years, we tend to go into what are called no-load funds, which means there are, there are no acquisition fees or selling fees, but those are folded into the earnings, uh, whatever that Absolutely. might be. Another difference between the mutual fund window of plans available in the mutual fund window and the TSP are the fiduciary of the administra administrators of the respective funds. Could you talk about the difference in the fiduciaries between the TSP plans and the mutual fund plans? Absolutely. So we, the Central Retirement Thrift Investment Board, serve as fiduciaries to participants for our five core funds and our 10L funds. That means the decisions we're making are solely in the interest of TSP participants. The TSP, are, as fiduciaries, we have made the mutual fund window available to our participants, but we have not vetted each individual mutual fund to decide which one might meet a participant-specific investment goal. So if a participant, just like right, right now, you and I could hang up and we could invest in Vanguard, you're having to make that decision as to what fund is appropriate. You have to read the prospectus. You have to understand the fees and the goals of the fund. TSP participants are going to have to do that when they go through the window because while the mutual fund, all the mutual funds on the platform are SEC reg registered, comply with all U.S. laws and regulations, they are not sort of under the umbrella of our fiduciary uh, blessing. So if a person wants to invest in any one of these funds, which might be available on the private market also, they might, it might be a good idea for them to consult uh, one of these companies like Morningstar to evaluate the fund on their own. We will have a Morningstar. If you move through and you want to set up a mutual fund window account, you will have a Morningstar developed search tool that will allow you to evaluate the funds before you invest. Well, let me ask you this question. How were the plans or the mutual funds determined that are participating in the window? There are things called mutual fund window platforms. And so these platforms are exactly what they found. The mutual funds have to comply with the platform's security rules, you know, uh, connection rules. They have to comply with whatever the platform asks for. And as I said, this particular platform offers more than 5,000 mutual funds. We didn't pick this platform. It was a vendor that is working for our record keeper 
but they are all similar. And as I said, this is these are Fidelity mutual funds, Vanguard mutual funds, and they're the same ones. It's like, as I said, if you if we were hung up right now, we could call Fidelity and invest in, in a fund. Whatever that Fidelity fund is, could be on the mutual fund window platform. The only thing we have done is for funds that have mutual multiple classes, we've made sure that the lowest expense ratio class is offered so that participants aren't inadvertently paying more than they need to. Within the vast variety of funds that are available, are there anyone with Bitcoins? There is one. There is one SEC-registered mutual fund that invests in Bitcoin, and that is on the platform. Now, this was yes. extremely complicated to roll this out. You, you talked about it at the beginning, about uh, the degree of work that the board, the investment board, went when they uh, secured a uh, platform, people run the platform. But could you walk us through the planning that the board undertook prior to rolling out this mutual, mutual fund window? So it was all of a piece. We awarded the record keeper contract back in November of 2020. And so this was uh, basically an 18-month effort to do all of the planning involved with the transfer of the the records, all the individual information about your account, my account, making sure that we have connections with the payroll agencies. And I'd really like to take this opportunity to thank. We worked with over 100 payroll agencies and it was a lot of work for them to um, transfer because now they're connecting with a new new record keeper. And it worked. And we have handled over 4.6 million transactions, representing 1.6 billion in payroll in this last week alone. So it was a lot of effort to make sure that all of the details involved in keeping that information was transferred. And one of the things that was on that list of things to do was working through the issues involved in the mutual fund window. I think one of the things that people need to understand is the traditional TSP plans, whether it be the G fund, well, not necessarily the G fund because that's in treasury securities, but the C fund, the I fund, the F fund, they're index funds. They they track very broad and wide groups of uh, financial tools, whereas a mutual fund actually selects stocks to participate in them. So by by their nature, they tend to, they could be more volatile. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Well, it depends on the fund. I have to to backtrack. Out of 5,000 mutual funds, it is likely some are going to be more volatile, and then it is entirely likely that you could find some that are designed not to be volatile, right? So I can't give a, I can't give a broad answer there, but I can emphasize that ours are indexes. Like the RC fund matches the S&P 500 index. If you pick a fund, a commodities fund, you want to invest in, in something that's investing in gold, for example, that could be far more volatile because the price of gold, you know, bounces around. So if you pick uh, an ESG fund or a, a fund that's designed to do environmentally better, that they they want to benefit the environment, those are, in fact, active managers, right? Those funds are 
specifically selecting stocks based on the criteria that they have for their ESG fund. You were talking about particular types of fund and how they could be represent sort of parochial interests, like you said, environmental uh, sensitive fund or a social value fund. Can I ask you, so I know we've worked on this in the past, how has politics and parochial interests complicated navigating TSP investment policy? So there are many good causes in the world. And there are members of Congress who want to advance those good causes by using the TSP to do that. And that frequently runs afoul of our requirement to serve solely in the interest of the P's and B's, to act solely in the interest of the participants and beneficiaries. Because again, a good cause is probably a very good cause. It doesn't mean that it rises to the level of something that TSP participants should be required to help advance. One of our really fundamental points is if it's a good idea for TSP participants, it should be a good idea for all Americans, right? Again, if you're investing in a 401k for Boeing, if you're investing in a 401k that that Maryland runs for its state employees, if it's a good idea for us, it's a good idea for all of those participants. And so we really, really work hard to try and make sure that the TSP is not singled out and used to advance causes. Final question, Kim. Since June 1st, about how many TSP participants availed themselves of the mutual fund window? More than 1,200. So of the millions of uh, participants, it really hasn't taken hold quite yet. People have to familiarize themselves with the new system, how to navigate it, and whether or not there are funds in there that are appropriate for them. Exactly. And we encourage that. The mutual fund window is not something that people should just jump into. They should read the prospectus. They should understand the fees they're paying and make the decision that that's, you know, part that is appropriate for their particular retirement savings goals. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Once again, our guest this week was Kim Weaver, Director of External Affairs for the Federal Retirement Thrift Savings Investment Board. Thanks for joining us, Kim. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. And I want to thank Naps Chat listeners for logging on this week. If you enjoy Naps Chat, please leave us a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. And more importantly, share Naps Chat with your friends and colleagues. Until next week, stay safe and stay healthy. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. I'm gone.